0: Welcome to the Strength Talking Shop podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. We talk all things strength, coaching, fitness, nutrition, powerlifting, strongman. If it involves a barbell, we're going to talk about it. We are presented by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. We all know that protein is the key to muscle recovery. And Gold Standard's best-selling 100% whey protein provides 24 grams of protein that mixes easily using just a glass and spoon. Gold Standard 100% whey is made in their state-of-the-art facility. It's banned substance tested by informed choice. And with Optimum Nutrition Athletics program, you can get different items such as their Pro Gainer, which is their Mass Gainer, protein snacks such as their crisp bars, wafers, cake bites, and almonds. And after dominating the sports and nutrition industry for over 30 years, Newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings that same trust and quality that knows how to put convenient options for protein in the hands of athletes who desire to become bigger, stronger, and better at their sport. If this is something that you're interested in and getting into your facility, reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics. Down in the show notes, he's got his email. Dave and the team at Optimum Nutrition Athletics are absolutely amazing. They'll get everything that you need. I use their products every single day. I use the Gold Standard 100% way for my post-workouts. If I need something quick for protein on the go throughout the day, and also, if I need to grab a snack, I'll just grab one of the almonds, uh, some of the cake bites, and then also the crisps. Absolutely love the crisps and the almonds. So make sure you reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics, and thank you for being our sponsor. What's up, guys? Strength Talking Shop Podcast. Uh, excited to have the head athletic performance coach of William Jewell College, uh, Jason Smeltzer. What's going on, brother?
1: Oh, man, nothing. Trying to make it through this winter.
0: So, um, 22 years coaching, and yeah, the winter is brutal right now. So, we're both in Kansas City. He's up in Liberty. I'm down in Pleasant Hill, Missouri. And uh, we got like, I don't know, a couple inches of snow, some ice. Sucks up here. But anyways, I'm I'm glad to have you on, Jason. Did you have a good Christmas,
1: good New Year? I did, man. I got, got a chance to go back down to Oklahoma City. Uh, where, where my family's still at right now because they haven't made the transition up. I got a son that's graduating from high school there in Edmond, Oklahoma. And then when he graduates, me and my wife will be empty nesting. So um, she's going to make her way up here to Liberty, Missouri, and uh, we'll, get it, we'll get life started up this way. And then I was down in Monroe, Louisiana. That's where I'm from. That's where my wife's from. So we were down there, and then I had to make it back a little early to beat that, that, that snow before it came in and uh but i had a great christmas man great new year great christmas good family good friends that's what it's all about right
0: yeah 100 agree man my son he's 13 months old we got another one up here coming in a couple months and it was pretty cool to see him get to open those presents on christmas mm-hmm. morning you know it's just really it's just wild to see man but mm-hmm. you know it's 2022 What are the uh kind of goals set for the, the william joe athletic performance
1: man we're we're making progress you know i mean obviously Um, The biggest thing is, you know, I think probably the most important aspect that we can get through to our athletes, our student athletes here at William Jewell is, you know, they obviously want to be great in academics here, you know, and to get them to understand that you can be great in academics and you can be great in athletics and um, to try to push that through the mentality of these athletes, it's kind of gone well so far. Now, I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's moving at light speed, but to, to get people to understand that you don't have to choose one or the other to be great at, you just have to have great time management skills. And then you've got to want to be competitive in the classroom and you got to be want to be competitive on the, on the field and whatever that takes for you to, to be competitive, whether it's in the classroom, extra study time, you know, tutors, whatever it may be, same thing, right? Um, on the athletic side of things, it's extra work. It's pushing yourself in the weight room. It's how much faster can I get? How much more explosive can I get? Um, and, and who do I have to help me do that? And we've got a great strength staff here to help our athletes um, continue to progress in athletics. And I'm, I'm real happy about that.
0: Yeah, progressing forward, I think it's important to all be in a cohesive unit, like you talked about with your staff and everything like that. I know you guys have gotten some awesome new equipment too as well, which always helps for sure. But when you talk about like building the athlete at William Jewel, right? You and I we were talking beforehand for shoot, 45, 50 minutes, whatever it was. Right. We're you know, we were talking about building discipline, building that autonomy in the weight room. Like for you, how do you build? I guess just go back to the culture side before anything. Like, how do you start to build that culture? Cause you've only been at Jewel, what, six, seven, eight months, something like that?
1: Right, right. You know, it's about coaching the standard. First of all, you got to be what you say you are. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And you, you know, I, I just, I'll never forget that when I was a young coach, um, I was, I was, I had a, my head football coach at one point had told me, he said, look, you're either work with enthusiasm or you're fired with enthusiasm. And Lou Holtz said that, right? And so, um, I, that's always stuck with me. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have to be a rah-rah guy. Um, even though, you know, I'm high energy, um, I'm very vocal. Um, I'm very positive for the most part, Mm -hmm. unless there needs to be something handled. Um, but the, I think the most important thing is give energy to your athletes for them to give energy back. Right. And so, You know, you've got to be the standard every day. You cannot walk in the weight room yawning. I don't allow our athletes to yawn um, in the weight room. I don't allow them to yawn in front of me. In fact, I tell them, I say, when you see me yawn, then you are okay to yawn. And you're not going to see me yawn unless you're in my apartment at 930 at night watching TV. It's not going to happen. So, you know, I think that, and, you know, I've had athletes argue with me about the science behind yawning and so on and so forth. I don't care, you know, because it, it and it's in a book, um, the way of the samurai, um, yawning is bad form in front of people. And that's, that's a translation obviously. But, uh, I think that you've got to have certain standards that you live by, and then you've got to coach those standards every single day. Mm-hmm. And what it comes down to, you know, we talk about autonomy in the weight room. Um, and, and you and I were talking about this, um, briefly, you know, if you look at an athlete's life, You know, they wake up, they have a weight session at 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning. They're told, toes on the line, do this, do that, do it exactly the way I tell you to do it, do these many reps, do this this much weight, you know, and they're, they're just barked at to do that. Then they leave, they go eat breakfast, and then they go to the classroom, open the book to page 35, do this, do that, keep your mouth shut, so on and so forth. Then they go out to their sport practice later on that day, and they're told, hey, we, we talked about this on film. Why did you not do it exactly the way? Do it exactly the way I asked you to do. So there's not a lot of autonomy. So as strength coaches, we go, hey, we want to create a free-thinking athlete. So we're going to give them some autonomy. But just like we talked about in raising kids, you know, you're raising your kids and I'm raising my kids. My kids are pretty much grown now. You don't give them a whole lot of say on important matters early in their life. And you give them a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more as they get older. And then eventually they're making their own decisions. Um, I think it's our job as strength coaches to make sure that our athletes are making decisions, but they're not making decisions that are going to cost them down the road. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, whether it be injuries or, or, you know, just something that could lead to injuries later on down the road or whatever it may be. So, We structure that for them. And then as they've earned the right, we give them some autonomy, which at the same time, discipline is something that needs to be enforced in team sports and team settings. Um, It goes back to, you know, we were talking about our basketball team. So I'll give you an example of the standard and, and we talk about culture, right? And everybody talks about culture and it's this imaginary thing. And, and, and every coach you talk to, we've got great team culture. And then my question then is how successful are you? But <laughs> well, we're not winning a lot of games. Well, then I don't know if you've got great team culture, right. you know? So what is missing there? Could it be discipline? Could it be attitude? Could it be athleticism? So on and so forth. Right. And so as we look at it, we were with a basketball team. We had them for voluntary work, most of them here for voluntary work in July. And we're doing these farmer carries with dumbbells and one in each arm, I was like 90 pounds in each arm is the minimum. And you've got to work, walk a certain amount of footage and then turn around and come back. And then once you cross the line, you can put the dumbbell down. If you have to drop the dumbbell at some point, then you must pick it up from where you drop it and then carry it the rest of the way. So we're doing that, that is July, August, September. And then, right as we start getting into October, head men's basketball coach, assistant basketball coach are in the weight room. I go, Hey, watch this. And um, I tell the team, Hey, we got farmer carries today. 70 pounds is the minimum. And I ask you, What do you think happened? And you said, Well, probably they went to 90 pounds. And I was wrong. And you're wrong. Because anytime you drop the standard, you got to understand that some athletes aren't willing to meet that standard every single day. And that just tells you that culture is not something that once you got it, you got it. It's, it's an undulating process, right? Mm -hmm. It's got its peaks and it's got its valleys, right? And when it's in its valleys, it's up to the strength coach and the coaches and the athletes. And now when I say the athletes, the team leaders, the ones that are most invested to get the, get their culture out of those valleys, and back to the peaks. But you gotta understand that it is gonna waver some, and you've got to be looking for those those signs. And so um, some of the athletes made comments to some of the other athletes that were going less than 90. Like, hey, you're just gonna pick up that 80? But they weren't saying, no, that's not the standard. Right. And so when they got done, I'll bring them up and I use it as a teaching experience. Hey, what was the standard prior to today? On the farmer carries, and every one of them knew what the standard was 90 or nothing less than 90, coach. I go, So then who picked up less than 90? Raise your hand. I said, Who saw them pick up less than 90? Raise your hand. Because at some point, these athletes are going to be on the court, yep. right? Or on the field or on the pitch. And there's not going to be a coach out there to be able to tell them exactly what to do at all points, right? Exactly, and so these athletes are going to have to make sure that they hold themselves to the standard. That's not always our job, but it's our job to point out when the standard's not met. Mm -hmm. And so we were losing the game right before Christmas break in basketball, men's basketball, and uh, losing to a team by one point at halftime that we should be beating fairly easily. And that was brought up by our head foot our head basketball coach in the locker room back in October. We dropped the standard or the strength coach said nothing less than 70. Well, the standard was 90. What are we doing right now with our gameplay? Yep. You know, it's less than the standard. We are not, we are not being aggressive. We are not rebounding. We're not passing the ball. We're not running the offense. You guys are not uplifting, up, uplifting to the standard that we have set for our program. And then we go out and win by 25 or 30 points. In the rest of the game, but it just goes to show you that the standard is something that we've always got to coach is the X's and O's are important and the science is important, but more importantly, that is understanding the psychological aspect of an athlete and what their mood is for the day. And how do you get them out of that mood? I think that's what separates a good strength coach from a great strength coach mm-hmm. or a poor strength coach to a good strength coach. If you've got that aspect of understanding athletes and understanding what the standard is and setting the standard and setting the standard for growth too, because at some point they're going to reach, they're going to blow your standard out of the water. What do you do? Do you keep the standard the same or do you raise the standard? Right. Uh And so, you know, you don't want to have the standard up there, but I don't drop my standard from one institution to the next institution. Uh My standard is the same, but once we start winning national championships here at William Jewell, and we will, then what does the standard need to be at that point? Right. You know, do we increase that standard? Do we just leave it right where it's at? Because I promise you they ain't doing it at Alabama, you know,
0: look at every single year. They just keep boom, boom,
1: boom, boom. Right. more And, and more. increasing their standard as they go,
0: exactly. of what they're
1: looking for, the type of athlete they're looking for. They're increasing their coaching ability. They're increasing um, player productivity the best way that they can.
0: Exactly. And when you look at that from a team standpoint, Culture. I mean, culture drives everything, right? You got to right. have that chemistry. You've got to have that culture. I, I've always thought if you can have a team that maybe is not as athletic as the other team, but they've got the culture and they've got the the right game plan, they could win and beat that team that's a little bit more with the athleticism and stuff like
1: that. You see, that well, look at the bowl. Time. Look at the bowl games. Yeah, I mean, there's there's teams that you look at the matchup and you go, oh, this should be a blowout, and all of a sudden somebody beats somebody that you weren't expecting. How does that happen? That happens with discipline. That happens with culture. That happens with X's and O's, obviously, too, as well. Absolutely. But, I mean, it happens. It, I mean, you you may have seen it back in 2018. I mean, when I was at University of Central Oklahoma, we beat Northwest Missouri.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if we were more talented than Northwest Missouri that year. They went on and went up to playoffs. We didn't. Right. But that day, we were, we were more disciplined. We were more focused. Um, we were fast and strong where we weren't getting just blown off the ball like we had in the past. Um, and our kids believed.
0: Yeah. I mean, look at – I mean, another great example is March Madness. You see the two – beat or the 15 beat and the two seed, right? Right. That should not be happening. But maybe they're, because they're playing a 15 seed, oh, this will be an easy win, right? We'll just kind of coach through this game. Next thing you know, you're in a nail-biter and you're down three points with 30 seconds left, and you're like, how the hell did we get here? Right. But you allowed yourself to get there by not rebounding the ball in the beginning half of the game, getting fouls around the game, you know, whatever that is. That came down to back in October, November of the
1: season when you weren't doing the little things right. But it goes back to – it goes back to culture is always undulating. Right, exactly. how do you get your athletes – to stay as close to peak performance as possible. And they may not even be peak, but how do you detract or prevent the valley bit from being so deep?
0: Yeah. I that's think that's
1: probably point. the biggest, biggest thought behind it is, and really to me, it starts right there in that room next to me in the weight room is when you see an athlete not performing. Yeah. I mean, there's science behind it. I mean, maybe they're in distress, didn't sleep hygiene, you know, sleep hygiene, wasn't good. Um, Nutrition is not good. Maybe they're stressed out from tests or girlfriend, boyfriend, broke up with them, whatever it may be. Right. All right. But are you allowing that athlete not to push themselves at the level that you want to push themselves without trashing the central nervous system? I think that we get all caught up in the central nervous system work and we're like, all right, well, we're just going to deload this athlete today. But, and I get that, but you deload that athlete, you still expect a certain or work output. Right. Right. Exactly. And so hey, I'm going to deload you a little bit so you can recover from what's going on, but I still expect a strain. I still expect noises to come out of your body for maximum output or maximum velocity or maximum power, whatever it is that I'm asking for that day. Um, I still expect, expect you to sprint today, exactly. you know, um, so what is it, you know? And, um, I think, I think that's the part to where, you know, the science and motivation, they overlap, you know, and you can't be too far on one side of the realm of things and be disassociated from, Hey, we got to create discipline and we got to create a standard too, as well. And it sounds like, Oh, that's old school thinking. And I think there's nothing wrong with old school mixed with the new school. I think that's why you, continue to learn and that's why there's CEUs available in this and then the best part of it is my wife is finishing up her LPC in licensed practical counseling oh, so wow. she works <laughs> some of that psychology on me obviously and so I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning from her on you know how to overcome some of the things that that we have and and the and youth today i mean they're going through a lot more than what we ever had to go through growing up so but how you still get the most out of that athlete for that day.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, the the between the, the ears thing, that's huge in an athlete's performance. And you talked about, like, the, the motivation side, melting that in with the discipline side. Like, I found that with my own self through, through my powerlifting career. It's like not every workout is going to be a 10 out of 10, right? But even on those days where it might be, a, all right, I got to maybe pull back a little bit, I'm still treating my warmups as if they're a max effort exercise, right? And I think that for a good coach, like you said, they've got to be able to teach that to the athlete of like, hey, I still want you to be explosive. I still want you to do your sprints. I still want you to be engaged in this, right? I'm not giving you a hall pass to say, hey, you could just go do whatever you want to today. We still have like you said, setting a standard, I think it's so important for coaches to be able to have a standard. And also I'm assuming you have a system as well, like a system of how you want things and how they're going to bleed into your workouts. Right.
1: Right. That's yeah. that's exactly right. You know, another thought about that is there's been so many times where as an athlete, and then even now when I'm not an athlete, um, I like to still think I am, but I wa- hey, with the, walk
0: with those biceps. Uh, I'd like to think that you are.
1: <laughs> well, well, I don't know if the biceps relate to athleticism at all, but <laughs> they, looked, they looked the part. Jack's but, uh, coach. But anyways, um, so, like, you walk into the weight room and you don't feel well. Like, I don't feel optimal. That does not necessarily mean that my sen- central nervous system is trashed.
0: I agree 100% with that one. So we
1: talk to our athletes about, hey, go through this and – As you go through this, talk to me about how you feel, because there's been times where I've walked in the weight room, not felt well, started to do the workout, and then all of a sudden had one of my best days.
0: Yep. Same here.
1: Yep. So, you know, and we, and obviously we're using some of the technology that goes along with push bands and, you know, vertical jump measures and, and velocity and, and, uh, you know, laser gates and different things like that to test the central nervous system and see where our athletes are at and where they're not, they're primed and ready to go. But, I mean, you cannot rely on the athlete's word that they're not feeling well. I mean, I, I, I don't think that that's necessarily the telltale sign unless they go through the workout and as they're going through the workout, they're still telling you, I'm not, and, you, and you're seeing the velocity measures and you're going, yeah, you're not. So now we can deload that athlete, but we're still looking for work output, you know.
0: Right, Exactly. So over your long, I mean you've had a long career coaching, right? And you've seen a lot of things come and go. You've seen the wheel get reinvented so many times in the weight room from people talking about it. But there's been this new introduction of technology, of like you said, this new wave of everything coming in. How are you interpreting like that data, using it? How are you using technology and like evolving within at William Jewell and stuff like that?
1: Well, the first thing is, I mean, I think. The most important question is, are you gathering data to gather data? Are you, are you utilizing the data to drive you and what you're doing as a coach? I think that's the pro- most important way to use data is it drives you not, not to prove you're not trying to prove what you're doing is working because you can skew the data to show everyone, hey, I'm, my program works and I'm not really changing anything. So like when you're putting together, you know, all your cycles and you're doing it for a year long, you might have, you know, I'm doing this at this point, this and this point and whatever. But then as you use the as you use the data and look at it, you're going, hey, man, we're you know, we're not increasing maximum effort very well or we don't have good power output at this point. I thought would be better. Are you going to continue going through your path thinking it's going to fix itself? Are you changing your workouts to produce more power or produce higher velocity or, you know, or to produce better acceleration or starting strength, Right. you know, and are you using your eye to do that too? Are you solely relying on data output to tell you what it is? I think, I think that's probably the most important is we've got all this technology but yet we're not using common sense or experience that we have, you know, because like, I'll give you one example. Um, you've got your athletes down they're in a three point stance and they're going to sprint for 20 yards. And then you're watching the angles as they come out and all of a sudden you see an athlete and they pretty much pop straight up coming out of their, out of their, out of their stance. And the first thing that you want to say to that athlete is, What come out lower? Mm-hmm. But that's how they self organize themselves. So, what is the problem with that athlete? If they're not able to handle the angle of acceleration, they do not have enough strength to handle that force for that angle of acceleration. So, whose fault is that? Is that the athlete's fault, or is that your fault as a strength coach? Yep. And so. What's I mean, maybe their acceleration times are good, but you're still seeing problems with strength, that strength and adaptations. So fix that. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. some of it is some of it is drill work, too, as well. Um, right. But I mean, there's always something that you can do to to help fix athletes instead of just utilizing data to prove to yourself and everybody else. Hey, what I'm doing is working. Because it's not about what you do. It's about how good are your athletes. And the one thing that I tell our our coaches here is if the best part of you is what's going on in that weight room, then you're just a strength coach. That's it. You're not a performance coach. You're not helping athletes translate that, those patterns and that strength, all right, to, to be able to work on a field, right? And where does that come into play? So we want to be more than one spot on this campus. We want to be on the field, all right, or in the gym, in this big gym that we have. And you've seen it before, I think. So we've got oh, plenty yeah. of room in there to move around, right? And uh, so we want to incorporate that in our workout to make those be able to fit, whether whether it's the strength that we have, the velocity or the power output, and then now the movement skills that go along with that. I think that's probably the the biggest bang for your buck is, you know, don't just be in the weight room and say, Hey, this is how strong that we're getting because that doesn't really translate to a good athlete, you know, not all the time, you know, and in certain sports it doesn't. So what movement skills can you teach and, and at the same time develop power and strength, you know? So that's my, that's my little piece on that. I don't know if I, uh, off topic there or not
0: no no no. so i think it's very important what you're talking about is in the fact of how <clears throat> utilizing all the tools that you have available right to be as efficient as possible within the weight room but also not giving the constraints of like we're only just a weight room we're gonna help them like let's take a football team right like their game day is saturday right you want to help them be prepared for saturday so um all june all july camp than game week right you do not want to derail and take away from something that's going to take away from saturday we've all heard those horror stories where guys go into a game on saturday and they're like totally out of it they get blown out and it's like well what what have we been doing for the last three months strength and conditioning wise what do we do that week right why did, did we think long term for the season you know that's one beautiful thing we thought about uh, that joe did at northwest he would always think okay how is this going to bleed into the national championship? Because that's where they expect to be, right? This right. is where we should be at when the national championship comes by. Think of it in that long-term standpoint. I think is like super important because a lot of coaches, in my opinion, and you nailed on the head, they get kind of lost in inside their four walls and think that's it. When there's games going on, like that's the you're supposed to complement the uh,
1: the field, right? Right. And the, I think the most important thing that we tell our athletes, we tell our coaches you know, our sport coaches is we're not here to detract from our athletes in any way whatsoever. We're here to add to what it is that they do onto the field. And it's not because, and it's not because, Oh, I've got this plan that we are going to do that is for the benefit of the athlete. So if I see any data that's coming back that's saying, Hey, this is actually not benefiting our athletes or our athletes are, you know, you know, deregulating central nervous system is deregulating some. Um, what do I need to do to help that recover, right? Instead of, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just going to stick with my plan and then I'm going to tell their coaches and then they're going to take some off of practice. No, I need to take some out of the weight room. Maybe they need to take some out of practice. Maybe it doesn't need to be necessarily. And I've done that here at Jewel. Um, i send a list of about five guys. Hey, this guy is, his power output is way, way down. All right. I'm going to do this over the next few days. Hopefully you can take some work off of them at practice where they're reducing the number of repetitions that they have during this practice over the next two days. And then they'll be ready to go on game day. And then I'll even walk out to practice and remind the position coach and the position coach. Yeah. head coach told me about that. We're only doing, you know, he's only doing seven on seven today. He's not really doing a little bit of He's doing a little bit of individual work. That's the walkthrough, but nothing explosive, no tackling drills, so on and so forth. So they've at least got a plan to help that athlete recover. And so I think at the, I think with uh, it, it, it's a, I think you have to have a good relationship, a good rapport with the athlete. You have to have a good rapport with the coaching staff, and they got to believe in what you're doing. And I think the data helps drive that a little bit, because if you just walk into a sport coach and go, I think or I feel, mm-hmm. they're going to tell you, hey, take a hike, right? right. But exactly. if you go to them and you've got you know, <clears throat> graphs and you've got charts and you, and you're showing an athlete where they were at, a week ago to where they're at today. And then you're going, look, look what that means. And it's, and it's in a, in a picture. So coaches can understand it. Right. And they're, they're going, Oh my goodness, that's a big drop off. Well, what do we need to do now? They're more willing to listen to you in that. So I think that's where we get the data. Data needs to drive us as strength coaches, but it also needs to be something that you're able to convey to the athlete themselves and to the sport coach to get the best for the athlete. It's not what the coach wants on the practice field all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's not what I want in the weight room all the time.
0: Do you think because you've been a sport coach over your time frame, you're able to maybe better articulate those conversations with the sport coaches? Cause I think you nailed it on the head. Like that's, if you don't have that communication set aside, like you're going to have a very big uphill battle and being able to, to drive that forward.
1: Yeah. I think, I think because, I've been in the meetings. I've, I've recruited athletes, you know, I've been on the field and in in the competition as a sport coach. And that doesn't necessarily mean just because I coach football, I can better convey that to a football coach. But that means because I've been in the arena, I can better convey that to a soccer coach. I can better convey that to a volleyball coach. I can better convey that to a basketball coach, even though I've never coached those, those sports. Um, I still know the basic fundamental movement skills that those athletes need. I understand what the output is for a competition as opposed to a practice. Um, And I also understand the data that we see here um, in the weight room. And so having that, hey, you know, so-and-so is, you know, deregulating a little bit. This is where they were a week ago or two weeks ago. This is where they're at today. Um, and then having those conversations with the athlete to figure out what they're not doing well, you know, yeah. and then having that conversation with the coach and maybe the athlete together, not always, but at some point on what it is that they need to do to be able to recover and have the best opportunity for them to perform well, which gives the team the best opportunity to win. Right. And it all co it all coexist.
0: What I hope a lot of people can kind of take from this conversation here is we've not one time talked about sets and reps. We've talked about everything else, right? Right. I think being a good strength coach is a lot more than just the set, sets and reps. I think you could agree with that. I think you might have even said that earlier.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, there's way more to it than the X's and O's. Um, and it, it's something that you and I talked about before we got on the air is I've had, you know, former athletes of mine that have gotten into the strength coaching world and they ask, you know, questions and they're getting in depth with the science and they're like, well, how do we do this? How do you do this? And there's a thousand answers. These, these text messages, I could send them a book, you know? and I'm And so I'm sitting there going, man, this is a difficult question to ask because I'm not seeing what their athletes, where their athletes are at, what their athletes can do, and what this coach himself is doing. So here's what I just simply say: is do what you do and do it well. Mm-hmm. All right. And then as you grow as a coach and learn more, and a lot of learning comes from trial and error. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never worked for I've never worked for another strength coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, my whole career has been me at 24 years old on your own. You know. Wow. Here, you, you program, you do this. Well, I can tell you this too. You look back at what I was doing when I was 24 or even 30 years old and, and y'all would tear it apart. I tear it (laughs) apart. You know, I'm like, dude, I didn't know nothing. I still don't know as much as I want to know, you know, and that's why you continue to learn in the business. But um, at the same point, I know like I will have strength coaches come to me and I will make a modification on a workout based on a vertical jump test that happens that day and retest the vertical jump that afternoon, or excuse me, the, the, a little bit later in the weight session and get a higher output. And they go, how'd you do that? And I go, look, I trial and error. I knew, I knew, I know how to fix that because I screwed that up earlier, mm-hmm. you know, and I know what post activation potentiation can do for the body too as well. <laughs> you know? So
0: Exactly. That's why I love having, having you on here, Jason, because I mean, just an absolute, you know, I mean, I'm just being a sponge here, just absorbing everything that you have, man. So I appreciate you you doing this. Um, if people want to uh, reach out to you, how can they follow you, the jewel accounts, everything like that? I know okay. you're pretty active on social media.
1: Yeah, it's uh, just Coach Smelser at Twitter. Um, yeah, just uh, S-M-E-L-S-E-R. Or you could email me. Um, the best way to reach me. Through email is uh, my Gmail account. Um, that will always go with me, um, whether I'm a jeweler or, or someplace else down the road. And that's J, as in my first name is Jason. Uh, my middle initial, which is M, and then Smelser, S-M-E-L-S-E-R-1, the number one, at gmail.com. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be more than happy to get back with you. Um, just give me a couple days on the email. I'm not a big responder on the email, but if you DM me, I'll pretty much get back right back to you within 24 hours or so. But uh, if you got questions, holler at me.
0: Let me tell you, Jason, I'm so excited to see what you're going to be doing at William Jewel. I'll definitely be coming up there visiting you here soon. I mean, I'm so pumped, man. I, I, like I said, that place has a small place in my heart forever because I loved it going and visiting up there when I was a kid in high school and then even in college and stuff like that. So I'm super excited for you, man.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks it's for right. having me on. Yeah. Um, William Jewell's a, spe- a special spot, man. It, it's a it's a unique job. It's it's got its, you know, it's got its uh, uh, difficulties. I think that's the biggest reason why I took the job. Is if you think you're good, go ahead and prove it. You know, and and, and take a job that's a difficult job. But uh, you've got I've got great uh, support here with our athletic director. Great support with our assistant athletic directors, our sport coaches. Um, I've got a great staff um in place. Um excited about getting two new staff members here this month. Awesome. Um, and so I, I feel like we're heading in the right direction. And uh we're starting to win some games in basketball, men's basketball side of things. Swimming's doing great here. Um powerlifting with Devin um is starting up and uh they've already had a couple qualify for nationals in and they're really their first year. Um wrestling is doing well, especially on the women's side. Cool. Um, you know, we're adding we're getting ready to add a couple more sports here. So we'll be up to 24 sports at uh, at Jewel, which is a bigger job for us. Right. But uh, we give the athletes what they need the best way that we can. Um, I think if if you want to help athletes and I think this is probably the last piece that I want to I want to convey to people before I get off is if you want to if you want to help athletes and you want to help them close the gap between being good and great or be great and exceptional. Um, overnight. It's nothing that you can do in the weight room. It's nothing that they can do on their own um, outside or on the field or in the weight room, but it is what they can do with their sleep hygiene, their nutrition levels and their hydration levels. And understanding that there's a science behind performance nutrition. It's not like what we've done in the United States, where we just make up a pseudoscience and, hey, we're going to know we're not doing carbs or we're going to do all this protein. It's it's about teaching athletes the basics for what they need individually for the sport that they play or the type of athlete they are. And I think I've never had more success than when I helped create that position at the University of Central Oklahoma. I've done that here, too, at William Jewell. I'm going to have to redo it because I lost my nutritionist, Um, but
0: uh, (laughs) –
1: But we'll, we'll figure it out one way or another. But um, I think that's where you get your biggest bang for your buck is really teaching these athletes what recovery is all about, you know, and we have these recovery workouts, but that's not necessarily recovery. No. All right. And, and you know, we, we say that rest, you know, here at Jewel, we'll say that rest is actually uh, a form of training. So when can we find rest? When can we give our athletes rest? You know, and that's that's difficult during a basketball season. Oh so, man, um, that's what we're that's what we're really trying to get through to our coaching staff. Um, you know, how how do we get our athletes to recover in a week where you're playing four basketball games? Yep. Educate
0: them for the other 23 hours they're away from you. I think that's, that's right. Super important. Very important. We'll get you out of here. Last question: What are you grateful for?
1: Grateful, man. I, I mean, there's just too much. Like, I think you know, I think the the most important thing is an attitude of gratitude. You've got to be great. You got to be grateful for your job. You got to be grateful for your family. You got to be grateful for the people that are coming to your life, whether they're a positive influence or a negative influence. Um, you know, I, I just think that probably one of the most important aspects that I've learned. Um, and I've been in jobs where I was like, Oh, I'm just ready for the next job or the next opportunity. And you're not really grateful for the opportunity that you have in front of you. and, and, there was one particular job I remember. And now I go back to that job, which I spent five years at, and I learned way more than I thought I did, you know, and I can keep going back to that time. And I go, you know what? You should be grateful for that experience, even though it wasn't necessarily the most positive experience in my career. It ended up being one of the best learning experiences in my entire career. And so even when you think you're going through it, and you're, and you and you do not feel grateful, think about what it is that you are learning at the time that you are. It's not about the money. Um, even though money is important, I know people say it all the time. You do have to make decisions at some point that are financially, um, uh, gives you a financial advantage for your family. But at the same time, it's what are you learning? Who are you coming in contact? Who are you helping? Um, and who is helping you? You know, sometimes I learn more from my athletes than I teach our athletes. And so um, I think when you stop saying my and I, you know, then you're truly grateful, you know, because when when I look at William Jewell athletic performance, it is not my program. It is our program. It's our Mm -hmm. coach's program. It's our athlete's program. And so they're invested in it because it's ours, not mine, you know. And so I think that's kind of how you go about being a gracious person, you know, just like I'm gracious for being on the show, um, you know, and, and the real reason I'm not a speaker, I'm not a person that likes to to sit here and talk, you know, about me. Um, I just want to share about Jewel, yeah. you know. I want to share about what our athletes are doing and, and um, how they're about to be relevant uh, on a national scale here in the next few years. So I'm really excited about it. And at the end of the day, when they're hoisting up national championships trophies, um, it's not because of me. It's not because of our staff. Um, it's because of the work the athletes put in, yep. you know. And I just want to be a small part of that, you know, in the background. And if you give me a national championship uh, a shirt or a hat, I'd be very, very grateful for that.
0: <laughs> all I want. Heck yeah, man! That's <laughs> a strive for. It. That's the standard. <laughs> Another standard. But, but Jason, I appreciate you so much for sharing all that information. Again, thanks for being on the podcast. Um, we'll be talking here soon, man.
1: All right, man. Appreciate you.
0: All right, everybody. Stay strong.